know, when you look at the storyline around, you know, Elizabeth and Zachariah's life, it's a very, very interesting couple, especially around this whole Christmas story. God positions people uh, in all our lives, people that have a, are on a journey with what God is doing in their life. Here is a very, very, very interesting couple called Elizabeth and Zachariah. And Elizabeth was a cousin of uh, Jesus' mother, Mary. And the Bible says some very interesting thing. The first thing it says about them, that they were both righteous. This is like literally, it says in verse 5, in the days of Herod, king of Judea, there was, there was a certain priest named Zacharias. Zacharias is the Greek name that is given for the Hebrew name Zechariah. And it says, of the division of Abijah, and he had a wife from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. If you look at these names that are out here, firstly starting with the name Abijah. The name Abijah means, in the Hebrew it means, my God is my father, or my father is Yahweh. God is my father. Abba, Yah is Abba. And so when, he, when you look at the stock from which Zechariah came, he came from the stock of Abijah, where he declared God is my father. You look at the name of the word Zechariah, the meaning of the word Zechariah. It means, Zechariah means Yahweh has remembered. God has remembered. That God is remembered. And now you look at the name Elizabeth. And the meaning of the name Elizabeth is God is my promise or God is my abundance. So here you have Elizabeth who is God is my promise or abundance. You have Zechariah that God has remembered. And you have Abijah, God is my father. And in a combination of three powerful promises, three amazing promises that are coming from three different names that are there. Tremendous talk. The next thing you see, the Bible says, and they were both righteous in the sight of the Lord and walking blameless in the commandments and the requirement of the law. So if, you, if, if, a, if a perfect stock weren't enough, here you have a testimony from God himself. God is saying, you know what about Elizabeth and something about Elizabeth and uh, Zechariah? They were righteous in the sight of God. This is a God-proof testimony about them. That they were good, they were righteous. And the Bible goes on to say they were living blameless, walking blameless in the commandments and the requirements of the law. And they had no child. This morning, Tim, I want to talk about this. And they had no child. Many times when the promises of God are not fulfilled in our life, many times one of the first questions that one has on their heart is, Lord, what did I do wrong? When things go wrong in our life, when things mess up and we got problems and we got challenges and we got opposition and we got the enemy throwing everything at us, the first question that comes on our heart, what did I do wrong? And it breaks our heart and it pains our heart and we spend sleepless nights over it and we're rolling in bed and sometimes we're crying into the pillow and saying, God, what did I do wrong that you would allow something like this in my life? Many times we blame ourselves. You know, human behavior is such, we'd like to pin responsibility of pain onto somebody. And oftentimes we start with us. <laughs> you know, so if, if somebody was driving a car and they had a major accident, and by some turn of events, you know, they get hurt in their spine and they're paralyzed neck down. You know, they never ask the question, why did the car do this to me? The question they always ask is, why did God do this to me? Why? Because you never pin morality to an inanimate object. You never expect an inanimate object to be responsible for something. And that is why we never ask, why did the car do this to me, even though the brakes of the car fail, or maybe you didn't service it on time, or you didn't take care of the car, it was growing old. But we always, almost always ask the question, why? Why did God do this to me? Why? Because we want to pin responsibility upon somebody. So here is this, this whole Elizabeth and, and Zachariah situation, and they had no child because Elizabeth was barren, and they were both advanced in years. Here, you know, they go to say three interesting things about their stock is great, Abijah is great, 
Elizabeth is great and, and Zachariah is great. They all got godly names. And then you look at the testimony from God. The Bible says they were both righteous, which means it was not their fault. God is saying it had nothing. It had nothing to do with them. Many times we've been there, haven't we? When we ask ourselves the questions, why did this happen to me? And they were both righteous in the sight of God. And now look what it says. Walking blamelessly. Verse 6 says that. Walking blamelessly in all the commandments and the requirements of the law. There were 613 laws of the scriptures that they, of the, the Torah that they had put together. And they were saying the 613 laws concerning these laws, perfect. When you look in the Bible, what does that bring Elizabeth and Zechariah to be? It brought them into the ranks of people like Noah. The Bible says, and Noah was blameless in the sight of God. Concerning Paul, Apostle Paul says, concerning the law, I was blameless. Pharisee of Pharisees, Hebrew of Hebrews. Concerning the law, blameless. So he brought Zechariah and Elizabeth in the likes of Apostle Paul. Wow. That's no ordinary people. Now, as though that were not enough, they were blameless in all the commandments and the requirements of the law and both righteous as if this was not enough. Zechariah was also in full-time ministry. <laughs> now, you'd be thinking in your heart, somebody in full-time ministry shouldn't be having problems because they're closest to God. They're praying all the time. They're fasting. I mean, this guy, the Bible says he was devout, he was fasting and he was praying. I mean, surely something shouldn't go wrong for someone fasting. I mean, fasting like these guys. They were serious about their fasting. You know what kind of fasting they did? They did heaven-sanctioned fasting. Because the Bible says he was blameless. Concerning his fasting, also he was blameless. The way he fasted, what he fasted for, everything was blameless. And why would something like this, why is, and you know what would be even more terrible? Zachariah goes, lays hands on somebody and prays for them. They get the miracle and Zachariah doesn't. You know, that's like a killer. (laughs) That's like, God, what are you doing to me? Why is it that when I pray for somebody, you answer that prayer? And when, you know, I pray for myself, you don't heal me or you don't set me free or you don't. What's going on, Lord? Why? Lord, what am I doing wrong? This was their situation. And the Bible says, and it It came about at this time, about while he was performing his priestly service before God in an appointed order of his division. You know, in in, in Israel, time by time, order by order, they they would appoint the Levites, people from the tribe of Levi, to be ministering in the temple. And when his appointed order came, the Bible says, look at some things, he was aged. He was old. He was so old, the Bible was saying, that they were past age. They were past age, but he was still in the presence of God. Many times when we're praying and we're waiting for a breakthrough, we're asking God, why are you not giving my miracle, Lord? Lord, I've been asking you. I've been praying. I've been fasting. I've been seeking you. Why are you not answering our prayer? Many times what people do is in the season of our waiting, we end up walking away from serving God in what God has called us to do. You see, every one of us, the Bible says, in Romans 11, it says, 29, it says, the gifts and the calling of God are irrevocable, which means God won't take that gift and God won't take that calling back away from us. Now, because there is a delay in God answering prayer, many times what believers do is that they back off from serving God or walking with God because God hasn't answered a prayer. Many times in my life, I've had situations where God didn't answer prayer and and we go through difficult seasons, we go through challenging times. And the thing that many of us want to do is withdraw into a cave. And we want to hide there, you know, we want to play, you know, like, you know, like pussycat drinking, a, you know, from a bowl of milk. We think the pussycat closes its eye and drinks milk. When it does that, it thinks nobody's watching. And many of us are like, we like to withdraw into a cave because I am hurt. I am offended. I am troubled. I don't have answers. Hallelujah. Many times it bothers us that we don't have answers. And, but what did Zechariah do? The Bible says, this man, he kept serving God according to the custom of the priestly office. 
He was chosen by Lord to enter the temple of the Lord and he was burning incense over there. Here you have the scene. This man was faithfully walking with God. When you look in Luke's gospel chapter 2, the Bible says around the birth of Jesus, there were many people that had unanswered prayer. Around the birth of Jesus, it was almost, if you may, 500 years of silence between the testaments. So many unanswered prayer. People are waiting for the Messiah. When is the Messiah coming? When is the Messiah coming? Why is he not coming? And they looked through the prophecies and they saw the prophecy of the Messiah, but they were waiting. Why is he not coming? And if you may, by now they got used to religion as usual. And some of us were waiting for the coming of the Lord. Second coming of Jesus Christ. And we spent enough time and we heard every message there is on it. And now we have just switched into religion as usual. We switched into ministry as usual. Because the coming of the Lord had tarried. Luke's gospel, the Bible says in, uh, in, in chapter 2, it says in verse 25, And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Look at this man. Here is a man, a prophetic man. And the Bible says some things about him. His name was Simeon, and this man was righteous and devout. Another righteous, devout man, growing old with a prophecy. And he's holding on to the prophecy and saying, God, I'm really, really growing old. This is not really going the way I'm, go I'm supposed to be going. Lord, you're supposed to be sending the Messiah. Because the Bible says he was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, which means he was looking for the prophetic fulfillment of the word of God to Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him, which means this guy was a Holy Spirit proofed guy. This was, he wasn't dreaming his own dreams or he wasn't, you know, having voices in his head. This was the Holy Ghost himself prophesying and telling him things. And, and he was righteous and he was devout. It wasn't his mistake. It wasn't his sin. And the Bible says, and it had been revealed to him by the Holy Ghost. This guy spent almost his whole life knowing in his heart, the Holy Spirit spoke to him saying that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's anointed. He would not die until he had seen the prophetic word. So I can just imagine day after day, Day after day, he's holding on to the promise. He's prophesying to himself, oh, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. And the next Passover goes by and the Messiah is coming. And his other next Passover goes by. Oh, the Messiah is coming. One year, another year, another year. God, why, Lord? Why, Lord? How long, Lord? How long? Until one day. You've got to realize something about this man. Because the Lord was tarrying in his coming, the man did not stop doing, going after what he was going after all his life. He kept telling himself, the Messiah is coming. The Messiah is coming. I've got to live for, he was telling himself, I live for this one explicit purpose. My Messiah is coming. I want to live for this one reason. I want to spend my every day for this one reason. The Messiah is coming. And the Bible says, and he came in the spirit into the temple. One day he was probably on the street or he was in his home. I don't know where he was, but bang, he just woke up one moment. And he just felt, today's the day. He's like, wow. So what am I supposed to do? Go to the temple. That's what you've done all your life. And he rushes to the temple and he's just walking in. If you may, he's like, okay, which one, Lord? So many babies here. Which one among this? You know, old man led by the Holy Ghost to the one thing he was living for. I said the one thing he was living for. Are you led by the Holy Ghost to go after the one thing that God has made you alive. The one thing he's kept you alive. The one thing he's put on your heart. Why God, God's God, while you are waiting, there has to be a purpose. He was waiting for the purpose. And the Bible says, and the moment he goes into the temple, he was led by the spirit. And when the parents brought in child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms. He was literally, if you may, waiting there at the temple for which one of those babies? Is this one? No, not that one. Oh, is that one? No, 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 that's not one. Which one? Lord? No, not that one. Finally, they see Jesus being carried in by Joseph and Mary. And he looks at him and says, my eyes have seen the salvation of the Lord. The one thing. What do you do? 
When you're hoping for, for a word of God upon your life to come to pass. What do you do when you get disappointed? You waited and another year came by and another year came by. What do you do that the word of the Lord has been tarrying? The Bible says, and he took that baby in his arms and he blessed God. He didn't say, oh Lord, finally. How many more Passovers and Sabbaths are you going to keep me here before I saw the Sabbath? He blessed the Lord and he said, now Lord, thou dost let thy bond servant depart. He was looking at the baby and saying, now I can go. Now that you have come, the reason for keeping me alive till now has arrived. I can go now. Simon was literally saying, the one reason for me to be alive, the Messiah. This is why I was prophetic all my life. This is why I spend my entire life doing what I'm doing. You know, many people, many people, they spend their life and they really don't know the one thing. This is what Apostle Paul said, forgetting that which is behind, I press on to take a hold of that for which Christ Jesus took a hold of me. What did he take a hold of you for? While you're waiting, while you're waiting, don't, fo- don't lose focus. While you're waiting to go home, while you're waiting to finish the race and see the Lord, don't lose focus on the one thing he sent you for. And he prophesies and he says, now you're bond servant. He says, bond servant, I'm just a bond servant. I'm just a slave. I'm just here for this one thing. In peace, your bond servant can depart according to thy words. Which word? That was not the Torah. That was not the Tanakh. It was the revelation word of God. God, that was not a common word to everybody. That was the word God had given him. The Holy Ghost had given him a rhema saying, you will not die. You cannot die until the Messiah is coming. I believe we are living in a very strategic time and age. I believe we are living in a season where many of us have heard a word from God. And today I want us to go right back to that word from God. I'm not asking you what are you waiting for. I'm asking you what is God keeping you waiting for. Hallelujah. What is the one thing that God is keeping you waiting? He says, in peace according to thy word, for my eyes have seen thy salvation. Your bondservant can go in peace because my eyes have seen your salvation. Which thou hast prepared in the presence of all the people. A light of revelation to the Gentile. Now, this is very interesting. The Bible says that he spent his entire life waiting for the consolation of the land of Israel. But the moment he saw the baby Jesus... He said, my eyes have seen the revelation for the Gentiles. He lived all his life for Israel. But when he saw Jesus, he saw something far bigger than just a nation of Israel. He saw the seed of Abraham, who by faith, because of the cross of Jesus Christ, was now going to become sanctified and be called the sons of Of the living God. Hallelujah. This is what God was doing. A light of revelation to the Gentiles. And the glory of thy people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things that were being said by him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary his mother. Behold this child is appointed. For the fallen rise. He's saying I was waiting to see God's appointed person. This is what I've been waiting for. For the rise and fall of many in Israel. And then he goes on to say that uh, it'll be as he will become a sign to be opposed. Because every time something that you've been waiting for comes to pass, every time it's not going to be easy. And the Bible says, and a sword will pierce even your own soul. To the end, the thoughts from many hearts will be revealed. Verse 36, and there was a prophetess. Here's another person waiting. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years, seven years after her you know, for, for score, uh, for seven years after her marriage. And by now she is around 84 years old. And the Bible says, and then as a, as a widow to the age of 84, she never left the temple serving day and night with fasting and prayer. 
Here's a woman disappointed with life. Seven years with a husband, husband's gone. You know, many people, when you lose someone you love, you lose a purpose to live. No, not Anna. She lost her husband in seven years of marriage. That's too short to live with your husband. And after that, the Bible says, she spent the rest of her years. She never left the temple. Everybody say purpose. Say it again, purpose. What do you and I do when we lose focus? What happens to us when we lose focus because we are waiting for God to answer something and then tragedy hits our life and and then we don't know what to do from there. Lord, why Lord? We have a hundred questions. This is not what I came for. The Bible says she was from the, that she stayed there, never left the temple, serving day and night. This was another level. This was not just serving nine hours in a day. This was not just serving work hours. This lady said, if I don't have a family to take care of, then I'm going to serve day and night. I'm going to spend day and night serving you. I'm going to spend day and night walking with you. The Bible says, and then as a widow, she served day and night with fasting and prayer. And at that very moment, she came up. Look at this moment. Everything's coming together. When literally when Simeon is holding the baby and saying, Lord, it's time for me to go. I can go now. At that very moment, Anna comes up and she also stands and positions. She says, yo, Simeon, (laughs) is this the moment? We've been waiting for. She comes up, walks up there, and she continued. And she, the moment she came up and began to give thanks to God and continued to speak of Him to all those who are looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. You see, what happened is she began to testify the Messiah has come. The Messiah has come. As a prophetess, she was saying, The Messiah has come. As a prophet, he was saying, The Messiah has come. Simon was saying, The Messiah has come. What happened was that there were these group of people that God kept waiting. Because you'll never really understand why God allows some of us to be waiting in our lives. Waiting time is not wasting time. It is alignment with the times of God. The Bible says there are two words for the word time in the Bible. One word for the word time is chronos. Say that after me, chronos. Another word in the Bible is a Greek word called kairos. The word, there's a difference between chronos and a a difference between kairos. What is chronos and what is kairos? Chronos is your regular time, day and night. That's chronos. You look at a a chronological order in in a specific order, one after the other. But the word kairos is a very different word. What is that? Jesus' mother came up to him in John's Gospel, chapter 2, and tells him, Jesus, we've run out of wine. So Jesus says, okay, what is that to me? And she says, well, you know what? Tells the servants, please do whatever he says. He looks at his mother and says, woman, my kairos has not come. What is he saying? He's saying, my, what is kairos? Kairos is the God-appointed time. Amen. Amen. So what was he looking at Mary and saying? He was not saying, oh, the chronos. Yeah, of course the chronos has come. The wine has run out. But my kairos of revelation to reveal myself in this way, it hasn't come. And Mary looks at the servants and says, just hang around with him. Do whatever he says. Because when his kairos comes, something's going to happen. Amen. Amen. So everywhere he went, those servants went with him. They just stuck with him. After some time, look at them and said, okay, get those empty barrels. Okay. What? They didn't ask him, Why, what's your plan, Lord? If you can tell us a specific plan, we'll at least know what kind of water, mineral water or salt water or, you know, sweet water. He didn't ask anything. He said, get the barrels. They got the barrels. Hallelujah. I'm being prophetic today. There are things God is going to ask you and me to do. We got to hang around him when the fullness of time. The Bible says God is operating in his time. Hallelujah. He makes all things what? Beautiful. When? In his time. Galatians chapter 4 and verse 4 says, In the fullness of time, what did God do? God sent his son. Amen. Which means Simon's waiting To see the Messiah, he was waiting for the fullness of time. Many of us, we we lose steam when when the time ain't our time and when the way ain't our way. 
You know, I was thinking if I was Mother Mary, I'd have got ticked off with Jesus. First of all, calls me woman. What does this boy think of himself? <laughs> Call me mummy, man. <laughs> then he looks at him and says, woman, what? My time hasn't come. My kairos hasn't come. She understood that. She knew that she was not dealing with an ordinary child. She knew that she was dealing with the Messiah. When you deal with the Messiah, you got to understand what he's speaking into your heart. You need a now word from God. For your season, you need a now word. You can't live on yesterdays. You can't live on, you know, what, the, what God spoke to just your fathers. You need a now word from God. The Messiah is coming. And, and, and Jesus, he, he does the miraculous. Now, in Elizabeth and Zechariah's time, they did the same thing. When the baby didn't come, and 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 they grew so old, and it was too late. I can just imagine Zechariah and... Elizabeth having this conversation. It's too old. It's too late, isn't it? Oh, well, I think so. Unless God does a miracle. Maybe they spoke about a miracle for a while. Until they came to a time in their life, even believing God for a miracle had been set aside. And saying, God, you know, I waited and I waited and I waited and I've just set it aside. And the one thing they didn't do wrong is that Zechariah stuck to serving God. He went back again and again to the right place at the right time because he knew his miracle had to come from the presence of God. Some things are just impossible. That's why it's called a miracle. The Bible says, and while he was doing the custom of the priestly office, he was smoking incense by inside, you know, the, uh, in his appointed order, according to the custom of the priestly office, he was chosen by Lot to enter the temple of the Lord and to burn incense. He was just burning incense and worshiping God. And the Bible says, and the whole multitude of people were in prayer outside. You can just imagine this high tension moment. Everybody is praying outside, literally thousands outside the temple praying. And this guy is inside with this incense. And he's just having this jolly good priestly moment. He, and listen, they've done it every year. This was church as usual. In his church as usual moment while he's smoking the place, suddenly he's like, oh, whoa, who are you? The Bible says in verse 12 of chapter 1, and Zacharias, while he was standing and smoking the place with incense, an angel of the Lord appeared to him standing to the right side of the altar of the incense. Nowadays, you know, everybody is looking for typology to give some meaning to every verse. Deep hidden meaning under the verse. I was thinking, why was he standing in the place in the right side of the altar of incense? And my conclusion was probably Zachariah was standing on the left side. <laughs> How about that for typology? Why did the angel come near the place of incense? Because Zechariah was busy smoking the incense and worshipping God. So the angel shows up with Zechariah and says, Yo, dude, what's up? So he's like, who, who are you? The Bible says, and Zechariah was troubled. Listen, Zechariah is in this business. He's in the God, angel, miracle, religion business. And he sees an angel and he goes, Whoa! I mean, he had heard about angels. He heard a mighty angel taking a cross, you know, doing the battles for Israel and all that. He knew all the stories. But the moment he saw this, whoo! Because you can get so used to religion that when God shows up, it'll freak you out. Because he ain't expecting an encounter at that time. And Zechariah was troubled when he saw him and he fear gripped him. And the angel had to tell him, do not be afraid. In modern translation, chill yo. What's your problem? Why, why, why are you so afraid? You've been talking about angels. I'm an angel. An angel said to him, do not be afraid, Zachariah. We have all this religious. Do not be afraid, Zachariah. Wasn't like that. Was yo. 
It doesn't say it was to not be. It doesn't say that either. So it's anybody's guess. So the angel said to him, said, do not be afraid, Zechariah, for your petition has been heard. This dude was so old, he looked at the angel probably and said, what you talking about? Gabriel is coming and saying, your prayer has been answered. And Zachariah is saying, I'm so old. Which prayer are you talking about? Was it about the, you know, when they bury me? I need a nice six by three, nice place. No, it says, your prayer has been answered. He said, don't be afraid. Now you can just imagine, don't be afraid your prayer is answered. That's itself freaking him out. Your prayer has been heard. Your wife Elizabeth will bear a son. (laughs) And you will give his name Yohanan. I'm just imagining. I'm an imaginative Bible reader. You probably said, just hold it. Let me write that name down because I'm so old. (laughs) By the time I get to my wife, I'll forget this name. And she's constantly telling me I'm forgetting everything. Yoha what? <laughs> you shall call his name Yohanan. His name shall be John. And you will have joy and gladness. And many will rejoice at his birth. Something begins to. Sometimes the word in season begins to bring a fresh spark inside your heart. Only the rhema of God can do that for you and me. He brings us fresh spark. He says, you will have joy and gladness, which means this, what God is going to do, is going to change your mourning. You're going to have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be great in the sight of the Lord, and he will drink no wine or liquor. He will be filled with the Holy Ghost while yet in his mother's womb, and he will turn back many of the sons of Israel to the Lord their God, and it is he who will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and the power of Elijah. Man, now the angel is getting into some serious stuff. The moment he says this, you know some good thing about old people? They have short-term loss of memory. But the old stuff, you know, I had my granduncle and grand auntie, they were brother and sister, they were in their 90s, and, and memory loss is in their family. Everybody after 60, 70 slowly begins to. <laughs> so my dad one day wanted the brother and sister to meet each other. Both were in their 90s, so he took his uncle to meet his aunt. And they went and sat down, and my dad's sitting there and brought them together. They hugged each other, and they're so happy. And the aunt is asking the uncle, how's your wife? And he's saying, my wife's doing very well, thank you. My dad's standing there and thinking, we buried her 10 years ago. (laughs) But he had forgotten that his wife had, had passed away. He's telling his sister, oh, my wife is doing very well. How are you doing? How's everything? How's your work going on? She was in a mission field somewhere. How's your work going on? She said, work is going very well. She left the mission field 30 years ago. But their memory had just gone cleaner. <laughs> so he, you know, but this time when Gabriel begins to, he quotes scripture. What did he quote? He begins to quote. He begins to go. He will, will go as a forerunner before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He begins to quote in the spirit and in the power of Elijah. He's beginning to quote from Malachi. What the Lord does is that he makes the angel remind him of the last book of the Old Testament. If you look at the last book, chapter 4, and the last verse we see in verse 6, the Bible prophesies about the coming, the coming, you know, the one who was going to prepare the way, verse 6, chapter 4, verse 6, and he will restore the hearts of the fathers to their children, and the hearts of the children to their fathers, lest I come and will smite the land with a curse. Verse 5 says, behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and the terrible day of the Lord. In this, the angel proclaims two things to him. Number one, the Messiah is coming. Number two, your son that you're going to have is the one that Malachi prophesied about 500 years ago. Hallelujah. 
Oh, you must have been wondering why we were waiting all along. Because God, 500 years ago, had already planned that you are going to have a son when in the fullness of time. Hallelujah. Everybody say time. Say Kairos. Say in the Lord's Kairos. It is well. You see, God begins to set things in motion in his Kairos. He begins to set things in motion in his time. He literally tells him, he prophesies. And I am thinking if I was Zechariah, I would remember those scriptures. Because every week after week, they meditated on the Torah. They looked up the Tanakh. They looked up what the Bible, what the Navi, the prophets and the, and the Psalms. They looked at three things. They looked at the Torah and the Psalms and the, and the prophets. They keenly looked at it. And here is the angel quoting scripture. And it hit him, that which the prophet spoke about. Even though it's late, it's still on time. There are many things in your life and my life. I heard someone say like this one day, at Lazarus' tomb, Jesus was four days late, but still on time. Amen. Amen. Four days late, but still on time. I want, to, I want to proclaim that to you today. God is on time. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's on time. Come on. Hallelujah. God's on time. And I, I know so many of you are worrying and asking God, God, another year's gone by. What's going on, Lord? Lord, what, what's going on? Here's Zechariah standing there. He says, he shall be a foreigner. He proclaims to him, not only that he's going to have a son, not only that the Messiah is coming, he proclaims to him, even the ministry of his son. Your son is going to be the forerunner of the coming Messiah. He tells him, before, he's going to be a forerunner before him in the spirit and in the power of Elijah to turn the hearts of the fathers Back to the children and to disobedient to the attitude of the righteous. So as to make ready a people for the Lord. He proclaims the ministry of John to him. To make a people ready for the Lord. You know in this waiting time sometimes it gets very difficult. You know in the story of in Abraham's life. The Bible says in, in Genesis and chapter 15. Literally after Abraham coming out of that land in Genesis 12. The Bible says in, in, in Genesis chapter 15, God, you know, Abraham speaking to God, tells him, God, I've waited so long. These things, the word of the Lord came to Abraham in a vision saying, do not fear, Abram. I'm a shield to you. Your reward shall be very great. And Abram says, Lord, Lord, God, what will thou give me since I'm childless? So he's saying, here is an issue, Lord. There's barrenness. Is there hope in my barrenness? What shall I do? Because I don't have a child. And Abraham said, since thou has given no offspring to me, behold, you know, my, you know, the one born in my house, my servant, Eliezer, is going to have to be. And God says, Abraham, come out of your tent. And takes him out. He says, look up to the skies. And he says, can you count the stars in the sky? And he says, no, Lord. He says, that many are going to be your descendants. You will have no clue how many they are. The number of people around the world that will call you Father Abraham. Right now, you're called Abram. You have no answer to prayer. Where day is coming, you'll be called Abraham. And then he says, I'm going to give you this land to possess it. And, and, and it's a long story. He says, bring him some sacrifice here. A three-year-old heifer and bring in a female goat and all of that. And some birds and pigeon and turtle dove and all of that. And he sacrifices them. And then he says something. He says, verse 12, he says, When the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and behold, terror and great darkness fell upon him. And God said to Abram, Know for certain that your descendants will be strangers in a land that's not theirs, and they will be enslaved and oppressed for 400 years. Along with the prophecy that you're going to have a child, God gives him a word that your children will be 400 years in slavery. Now you can just imagine, he would have passed that down on the generations. 400 years. Why 400 years? Why should, why, I mean, Israel would have thought, why should we wait 430 odd years? Why did you keep us waiting? Why do we have to sacrifice? Why do we have to pay this price 430 years? And my Bible says that they shall remain 430 years, and 400 years, and, and you shall go... Um, 
that in the land that's not ours for 400, 400 years, and I will also judge the nation they will serve, and afterwards they will come out with many possessions. And as for you, you shall go to the fathers in peace, and you shall be buried at good age. Then in the fourth generation they shall return here, for the iniquity of the Amorite is not yet complete. Four generations later they will come out. Abraham, I want you to know your generations are going to be slaves. He doesn't even have one to play marbles with. And he's saying, it's going to have, they're going to be slaves. There are going to be so many as the stars in the sky. And, and then he goes on, goes on. You know, why did, a, why did Israel have to be 400 years in Egypt? You know why? The Bible says, because the iniquity of the Amorites were not complete. Now, if I were the Israelites, I'd be thinking, so what's, got that, what, what's that got to do with me? I got nothing to do with their iniquity. I mean, you got a problem with them, fix them. Why, why do I have to be? Sometimes God will not allow deliverance because it's not his kairos. It's not yet his time. But Lord, why are you waiting for the Amorites? 400 years, 400 years for one tribe. And then you'll tell us to go and wipe them out. You know, see, the problem, listen, you think that they were in Egypt because they were bad people. No, they were in Egypt because... God was patient with the Amorites. Ah. Not every sacrifice you and I are doing is because we are terrible people. Many times we pay a price because somebody, God is waiting for somebody. God is waiting for somebody to grow to a place. God is waiting for somebody to walk with God. God is waiting for somebody to come to the fullness. The Bible says, and then verse chapter 17, and now Abram was 99 years old and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, I am God Almighty. He comes to Abram and said, hey, Abram, I want you to know I am God Almighty. I'm the one that's God Almighty. He says, because you will never understand what he says later on before you understand I am. What was I am? I am was a name by which God was introducing himself. To Abraham, I am. He said, I am that I am to Moses. Jesus looked at the Pharisees and said, before your father Abraham was, I am. He was speaking the name I am of God. When the, when the boat with the disciples were on a stormy ocean and Jesus was walking on the seas going towards them, he looked at them and said, don't be afraid. It is I am. This name I am was a revelation of God. And God is looking uh, in the book of Revelation. Jesus says, I am the Alpha and I am the Omega. It is a revelatory name of God. And God looks at Abraham and says, I am God Almighty. What is God Almighty? El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. He says, the second thing I want to tell you is just walk. What do you do while you're waiting? Walk before me. And be blameless. And I will fulfill. Why are you keeping me waiting? Because I'm waiting for something else. God is not slow in keeping his promise, the Bible says. He's just patient with us. That none should perish. And all should come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. He's not slow in keeping his promise. And God tells him, I am God Almighty. Walk before me, be blameless. And I will. I am, and then he says, I will establish my covenant between you and me. And then in verse 5, it says, I will make your father a multitude of nations. Verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make a nation of you. Verse 7, I will establish my covenant between me and you. Verse 8, and I will give to you and to your descendants the land of your sojournings. And the last part of verse 8, it says, for and I will be their God. One I am. And a whole bunch of I wills after that. Because you will never understand the I will of God unless you know who the I am is. When you know who he is, you will understand that he will. And Abraham stands up from there and understands the promise of God, the call of God. And the covenant of God fulfilled through Isaac. God begins to 
fulfill that word, fulfill that covenant. And coming back into, into Zechariah and Elizabeth, back in Luke's Gospel 1, the Bible says, and, 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 and this prophetic word comes when Zechariah tells to the angel, how, how shall I know this for certain? I am an old man and my wife is advanced. And the angel said, I am Gabriel. Who do you think you're speaking with? He said, for two reasons you will know this will come to pass. Number one, I'm Gabriel. Number two, I come from the presence of God. You're not dealing with somebody who's just coming and throwing off something or the other. You're dealing with somebody who has a word from the presence of God. When you meet a man that comes from the presence of God, there is a fresh manna from there. Because he, when you walk into that presence, the Bible says, and you will be silent until every word is fulfilled. And the people were waiting for Zechariah and they were wondering at his delay in the temple because when he came out, he was unable to speak to them. And they realized that he had seen a vision in the temple and he kept making signs to them. He kept making signs because sometimes when God speaks, he will leave you so affected, you won't have words to explain that encounter with God. People will say, explain to me, explain. You know, some things that God does with you, nobody will understand. I got this issue with Gabriel. When I get to heaven, I'm going to ask him. Whenever he comes with a word, he speaks to people privately. He came to Zechariah privately. He went to Mary privately. Goes to Joseph privately. If he had done it publicly, they wouldn't have that much problems. But Gabriel is this private guy from presence of God privately to. <laughs> and he comes and he tells him he had an encounter. And after these days, Elizabeth, his wife, became pregnant. She kept telling, kept herself in seclusion for five months saying, this is the way the Lord has dealt with me in the days he looked on favor upon me to take away my disgrace among men. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel sent from God. Everybody say in his time. Say in the fullness of time. In the sixth month, six months after Gabriel showing up with Zechariah, Gabriel shows up in a small little town sent by God in a city of Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And her name was Mary. And coming in, he looked at her and said, Oh, the Lord is with you. And you know the story. And he says, don't be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. So she's like, okay, so what does that mean? Favor with God means you're going to have a baby. You see, here are two different people. One person who waited all her life for a baby and it was too late. And another person who wasn't even waiting. And she just found out she's pregnant. Both seem like God's got the time wrong. She finds out she's pregnant and the angel's asking her, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son. His name shall be Jesus or Yeshua. And this name Jesus, I want you to know it was a common name in Israel in those days, like Joshua. It was a very common name. It, when the name was getting common, I want you to know, see, God was doing something. The name was so common that when Yeshua came, he was just one more of those Yeshuas who happened to be that carpenter's son. That is why he came to his own and his own knew him not. There was no greatness about that name. It was so common. Hosea, Joshua, Jesus, they all come from the Hebrew word Yeshua, which means Yahweh is my salvation. It was so common that he missed him. He says, and his name shall be called Yeshua. She's like, oh, okay, that's my neighbor's boy's name. And the other one, and his name, and her name, and everybody. His name shall be called but what's the difference? And he shall be great. And he shall sit on the throne. There he began to shift gears. Said, so this is not just another Yeshua. This is the Yeshua, the son of the living God. This is the Yeshua that Isaiah prophesied about. Hallelujah. This is what the Bible said, that the, uh, the, the, the virgin is going to give birth to a child. You know, the entire Christian faith is bound up within two impossibilities. The virgin womb and the empty tomb. Hallelujah. Everything about Jesus coming till his going, everything was miraculous. It had to be an encounter of God. It had to be in God's time. And she looks at him and she says, 
the angel tells him he's going to have his kingdom's going to have no end. Mary looks at him and says, how is this possible? I don't even know how it's possible. And he says, the Holy Ghost shall come upon you. And the power of the Most High shall overshadow you. You know, in the fullness of time. Something happens when the Holy Ghost, when you are walking, serving God, when you are filled with the Holy Ghost, when you are, when you are meditating on the scriptures, when you are living under that anointing, when you are in step with God, in step with God. And the Bible says, and behold, even he looks at, he looks, Gabriel looks at Mary and says, behold, even your cousin Elizabeth, she is also in her sixth month now. You see, look at that, verse 36. Behold, even your relative Elizabeth, has also conceived a son in her old age. And she who was called barren is now in her sixth month. Everybody say barren. There's hope for the barren today. Amen. You know what Gabriel was doing? She's asking, how is this possible? I don't even have, how do I know? I don't, I don't know a man. And he says, oh yeah? Okay, here's the sign. You know your cousin Elizabeth? Yeah. Oh, she's in her sixth month. What? Because it was impossible for her cousin to have a baby. So for Gabriel to get her attention, he had to point out to another sign that was happening in God's kairos. When God begins to do things in your life, God will begin to show you signs in the land. He will show you signs in the heavens. He will show you signs on the earth. He will show you signs in the waters. You're going to see signs that are happening. You will begin to understand the prophetic move of God is happening. He is not slow in keeping his coming. He's only patient. That none of us should perish. That everybody should come to the saving grace of Jesus Christ. And Gabriel looks at her and says, Oh, your cousin Elizabeth. Yeah, what about her? She's pregnant. What? She's pregnant. And then he, immediately, he says, Even she in her, is in her sixth month. And then Gabriel says, For nothing is impossible with God. You know, many people are, <laughs> I was just thinking of this. I was just thinking that maybe Gabriel told her that, you know, a virgin getting pregnant, you know, it's not impossible. But somehow Gabriel says it after telling about Elizabeth and says, even your cousin is in her sixth month for nothing is impossible with God. You know, if a 16 year old got pregnant, Everybody would have said, it's natural. But when a woman, 70, 80, begins to carry a baby, you know that's God. You know that's, and not just any baby. And he shall come in the spirit and power of Elijah. And he shall be a voice in the wilderness crying out, return. You're going to see things happen. Why? Listen, what happened? The moment she says nothing is impossible with God. What is that word nothing? That word nothing is no rhema spoken by God. Is impossible with God. Hallelujah. Has God given you a word? Not a, not, not a word that is just very dear on your heart. It's that, what are you waiting for? I'm not asking about what you are waiting for God to do. I'm asking what is God causing you to wait for? What is God putting a burden on your heart to wake up with that burden and dream with that burden and think that burden and sleep that burden? Because if the burden is increasing in the land, I want you to know God is about something here in this place. Amen. God is doing something in the land that we have not expected. The Bible says the moment angel tells her your cousin Elizabeth is carrying a baby for nothing is impossible with God. The moment he says that, Mary looks at Gabriel and says, behold your bond slave of the Lord. Let it be done unto me according to your word. Hallelujah. The moment she heard that prophecy, she said, then let it come to me according to your word. And she gets up from there. And it came that when she found out that God's going to, you know, she gets up from there and she went straight, the Bible says, in haste. She says, let me, it's okay, let me get pregnant. In haste, she packs her bags. She wants to meet cousin Elizabeth because she knows there will be somebody who understands the move of God. Amen. 
when god begins to move in your life and you know there are signs coming in your life don't just hang around with just anybody hang around with people that have an encounter coming to fulfill the upon their life amen don't hang around with the naysayers and don't hang around with the doubters and you hang around with people that are waiting for the fulfillment of prophetic word hallelujah she goes there and elizabeth is there and she goes there and she's telling elizabeth the moment she sees elizabeth and greets her the bible says mary's greeting got elizabeth filled with the holy ghost amen listen to me carefully mary's greeting gets elizabeth filled with the holy ghost and she cried out with a loud voice and now elizabeth starts prophesying mary's obedience gets elizabeth prophesying come on now your obedience to what god has called you for begins to release the gift upon other people's lives begins to release people into another move of god upon their life hallelujah look at somebody and say god's time kairos time is coming come on god's kairos time is coming no listen we are not living for a for an answering of prayer we are living for the fulfillment of god's kairos time upon our life in jesus mighty name amen he literally looks at her and she and she says greetings and the baby leaped in a womb and Elizabeth was filled with the holy ghost the moment this happened the angel's prophecy to Zechariah 6 months ago came to pass he said the baby shall be filled with the in the womb by the holy ghost and she cried out with a loud voice and said blessed among women are you and blessed is the fruit of your womb and how it has happened to me the mother of the lord should come to me and behold when they found your greeting reached my ears the baby leaped in my womb for joy and blessed is he she who believed blessed is she who believed that there would be a fulfillment of what had been spoken to her by the lord amen blessed is she who believe that there's going to be a fulfillment of that which is spoken to her by the lord and i believe today this is a prophetic word i sense in the spiritual atmosphere i sense in the spiritual realm that somehow this is a very prophetic moment in the spiritual realm today i believe something is happening in the spiritual realm that we have been waiting for I believe something is coming a time and season that's coming so many of you've been praying so many have been fasting so many have been knocking on heaven's door so many are saying god i won't leave you until you you fulfill what you've been saying to us i believe it is it is there it is at the door if you know there is there is an opening in the heaven if you may I believe we're living in prophetic times today. Hallelujah. It doesn't matter who's sleeping. It doesn't matter what others are saying. What you really need to know is are the prophetic words that God has spoken to the Elizabeths around you are they coming to pass? Then you need to go and plug into that. Hallelujah. You need to do, you need to go and prophesy over your own life. Hallelujah what God is doing. This encounter with Elizabeth. Elizabeth starts prophesying. And in verse 67 Zechariah gets filled with the Holy Ghost and he starts prophesying listen to me listen to me one obedience of Mary got Elizabeth filled with the Holy Ghost got Zechariah filled with the Holy Ghost and got John the Baptist filled with the Holy Ghost Amen Don't look at somebody and say oh, I'm just a 16 year old Now let me answer that question You know why Elizabeth was waiting You know why God kept Elizabeth and Zachariah all along? God was waiting for a virgin, a young girl who couldn't be old, who couldn't be married, who had to be so young and yet say be it unto me according to your word. I feel in my heart there is a move coming upon another generation. I believe we are moving into a strategic time and season in the spirit. I believe we we are we are we're coming to really end times. I really believe in my spirit. I believe in in our children's generation something is going to happen. If you study prophetic scriptures, you will begin to see that in your children's generation God is going to do something that ages have been waiting for. Hallelujah. You look at the stars in this the signs in the heavens and signs on earth and you see all kinds of signs in politics and signs of Israel and signs of the nation that's coming back and prophecy being fulfilled in all of this when you see these things you know that the that that the desolation the you know the prophetic word that God has spoken is coming to pass the bible says and this gospel of the kingdom 
will be preached till the ends of the earth and then the end shall come hallelujah i am so excited because not because god has answered a prayer of mine i'm so excited because i'm living in these days amen 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 i believe god is doing something you know there are people here in this place you've been waiting so long you've been waiting so long and i just feel in my spirit that there is a prophetic reason for your wait don't be ashamed don't be afraid don't be worried don't be crying about it you just need to say lord be it unto me according to your word sometimes you've been waiting so long so long that so long that right now you just you're just tired of waiting and the holy spirit is encouraging you that some of your waiting is because somebody is getting ready israel is waiting in egypt because amorites god is being patient god has been you know god has been waiting for with elizabeth because mary had to come to place and there are people and posi- positionings that have to happen around your life so that when you are ready god is going to give a hope to your to your waiting there's going to be a hope to your barrenness and the spirit of the sovereign lord will come upon you and he will anoint you tonight everywhere around the place i want you to open your mouth and i just want you to begin to pray in the spirit right now we're just going to pray together right now pray and and position yourself back in the place of service position yourself back in a place of prayer position yourself back in the place of of walking with god position yourself back in the place of hearing from god god you are not late you are on time father lord you are shanda lakam yasanta kamaya go ahead go ahead plug into the spirit go ahead pray in the holy ghost manta kere as a church i believe this is a time and season for the holy ghost with our church today yasontol korobi arabasane The anointing of God is falling on some of you right now in Jesus mighty name release your anointing upon the people right now father i pray you break every yoke of the devil every spirit of barrenness that is upon the people every unanswered prayer that you have kept them waiting lord i pray you move them into a season of believing lord blessed is he that has believed the word of the lord that's what elizabeth told mary and i pray that will come to pass oh god that the prophetic word will be released upon their life in a mighty way hallelujah